Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 66. A change is constant, and staying ahead of the game is something that we all strive for. And today we're going to talk with our buddy David Picciuto, whose brand and online content business have changed quite a bit over the last five years. And we discuss with David how he uses outside inspiration and a spirit of fun to keep his brand exciting and moving forward, and how he's hit his rhythm by honing in on the real goal for his channel and business. David has grown an impressive business and is not only an online personality, but an author of two woodworking books and is also one of the co-hosts on the Making It podcast. His YouTube channel has over 448,000 subscribers and over 35 million views. He's also been published in a host of woodworking magazines as he continues to grow his influence in the woodworking community. It's a great conversation with David, but before we get into it, we want to thank our new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Sean Roberts, Homeowner Joe, and Nicholas Kwashnik. Nicholas, I just went after that one. I hope I nailed it, brother. If you want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. But without further ado, here's our interview with David Picciuto from Make Something. All right, guys, we are here with one of our good friends. You may know him by a couple different names. David Picciuto is the best name to call him, though, but he is Make Something. He is the mastermind behind Make Something TV and The Drunken Woodworker, a throwback to the old days. So, David, welcome to Made for Profit, my man. Formerly The Drunken Woodworker. And thank you for having me. Yes, formerly <laughs> Our, The Drunken Woodworker. Oh, formerly yeah, known that, as. Formerly known as, yeah. The artist, for the, the YouTuber, formerly known as The Drunken Woodworker. Did you ever, did you ever think exactly. about that? Like, consider, like... I, I'm just gonna get like go the prince mode and just go like a symbol, you know, artist for no, uh, Well, no, because I think that would hurt the business quite a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you got to uh, be you got to be strong to pull that off. I mean, Prince, uh, yeah, he, you, you can't yeah. necessarily follow in Prince's footsteps, I guess. So probably a shrewd business move. But for those of you, uh, I'm sure most of you guys do know uh, David. He has been on the scene of content creation for a long, long time. Uh, and it's been something a lot of us guys have have looked up to and seen him do it. But uh, David, can you just for the audience, for the folks who don't know you, we have a lot of people that are on the product side that might not consume as much YouTube. Um, just give us a, a background of of kind of how you got into content creation, what your channel's about, and uh, just hit us up. Let let the folks know what you're all about. Sure. First of all, I want to say um, I've been doing the YouTube thing for four and a half years. And to hear you say that's a long, long time just kind of puts perspective on what YouTube actually is. Like four and a half years is not a long time in the in the in the grand scheme of of life, but for something online, that is a long time. Um, so before I made woodworking videos, I was a graphic designer and a web developer. I worked for ad agencies for eleven years, and I just kind of picked up woodworking as a hobby. Uh, to get to get away from the computer and I became really obsessed with it and started 
soaking in all the woodworking content that I could, you know, you know, magazines and books and videos and podcasts. And uh, I think because of my marketing background, I was able to quickly turn that into a career. I could see as I was making videos, my uh, my my followers started to rise pretty quickly, and my interest in web development started to fall. And so, uh, um, back in I forget what year it was, 2011, I think it was. I I I. I started with the name The Drunken Woodworker, which started off as a joke. I didn't know that I was going to be a full-time content creator. And uh, the joke came from, you know, my buddies and and I were drinking in the backyard by a fire. And my my buddy Zach is like, hey, let's do one more shot and go in your basement and make a desk or something like that. And I was like, ha ha, The Drunken Woodworker. And so I used my my skills to come up with a logo and and, uh, a... uh, and a Facebook page and it kind of grew from there. And then once I realized that uh, I, there were kids watching and um, I, I I wanted to get rid of that and I didn't know it was going to be, become my career. So I got rid of the drunken woodworker, changed it to something more generic, uh, make something which gets rid of the wood woodworking as well. So it kind of frees me to do whatever I want. And, uh, and so over the fa- past four years, I've been, making videos and writing blogs and and uh doing my thing i love it and i don't know how i i vast oversight uh also obviously the making it podcast so uh since this is a podcast (laughs) that uh, again making it uh you know one of the top podcasts in our in our space so you know you you definitely got your hands in a lot of stuff and uh looking forward to kind of unpacking some of that uh and talking through that but I love too that the fact that uh, you know you went you went full time right you, you've done what a lot of our listeners are trying to do is take a a hobby uh, slash side hustle into the full time so we'll we'll kind of dive through that as as well but um, John once you once you hit over I know you had I'm, I'm sorry I'm I'm hogging it all <laughs> once you <laughs> hit him with your first juicy question man no I mean it, it, uh, so uh, what I love about your like brand and persona David is that it's constantly like moving forward right I mean you kind of just touched on it briefly with your uh, your perception of what the quote unquote drunken woodworker could be seen as um, especially by specific demographics as children or sober people, but like in that, you know, you were able to rebrand yourself. And I think that that is something that a lot of us as business owners are always fascinated by because it isn't easy. It is something that takes, uh, you know, a lot of hindsight, um, and a lot of like self-awareness and evaluation. We talk about that on the show a lot and you have to be able to look at your business as a whole, look at what you're trying to do in the future and evaluate what's working, what isn't, you know, where you could possibly be pigeonholing. Um, so, you know, why don't you take us through that kind of process there since you touched on a little bit in the intro and just like walk us through the evolution of when you first got started to like where things are now. Sure. So I'll, if you want to turn your hobby into a business, it's it's best to sit down at the very beginning and kind of write down what your goals are and what you're doing because you don't want to go through what I went through as part of the rebranding phase. I I didn't know that the drunken woodworker was going to become a career. I didn't know that there were going to be young kids involved. I didn't know I was going to get emails from people saying, you shouldn't drink while woodworking, even though I wasn't. It was just a name. Um, And 
if you ever have to rebrand, it's uh, it causes confusion. Um, there's 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 going to be a long period of of people wondering who you are. You're going to lose you're going to lose some followers. You're going to confuse people. Um, so if you're looking to turn that hobby into something more, figure out all that stuff at the very beginning if you can. You know what? Write down. We were talking earlier. Um, but write down what your goals are. Write down why you are doing what you do. If you make videos, write down why you're making videos. Who are you making videos for? And that's going to help you define your brand and it's going to help you define your your identity, which becomes very important down the road. Yeah, I, I love that kind of guiding light uh, because it's easy to get lost uh, with, with so many, like we mentioned, there's so many things out there. And once you dive in, there's so many opportunities that, uh, you, you know, you, you were mentioning that earlier as well as is, is that, um, you know, having that as kind of that that line in the sand or that, you know, lighthouse shining, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use, but that uh, you can look and say like, oh, there's this great new opportunity. How does that align with that goal that I set out? You know, if my goal is to is to inspire kids um, and somebody gives me this lucrative deal for you know, advertising depends diapers. <laughs> it's probably not, <laughs> doesn't matter how lucrative that is. That's not going to fit with your channel. Uh, and you know, that's an extreme example, but you know, there, there's a, a lot to be said for having that guiding light. Yeah. I mean that the concept of this is applicable to anything though, right? Not specifically content. So like, I, I think I've touched on it before in this show. One thing with my like custom furniture business that, um, it naturally sort of happened, but it did take some of my own, um, kind of doing exactly what you were saying, Dave, and sit down and, and writing down some goals in that I wanted to be creating furniture that was specifically metal and wood furniture. And by doing so, it took me to stop taking on work that was outside of what I wanted to be doing and sort of, quote unquote, rebrand my custom furniture line into not just taking on custom stuff. So we have a lot of our listeners who are creating products that are kind of stuck in like, a like the muck of creating things that seem to be popular for them right now who want to be doing bigger and better and different things. Um, so there's a lot of good insight on on the evolution of where you took the business kind of. And so like from the drunken woodworker idea and the concept of like what you were what you wanted the brand to be once you decided it could become full time and like where you wanted it to go. How did uh, how did make something grow out of that? You know, like uh, how did you take the little snippet of what the drunken woodworker could be and grow it into like the big brand that makes something's become? Well, I think so when I first quit my job and started doing this full time, there was only a handful of us. And so it was kind of, um, hmm, I don't, maybe it was a little bit easier at that time since the, our space wasn't so saturated. And so that actually gave me the opportunity to kind of play around with different things. Like what kind of videos did I want to make? Uh, who did I want to make these videos for? What items would I sell? Would I have a paywall? Would I not have a paywall? And so it gave me a little, it gave me time to kind of figure out and play with different formulas until I found something that spoke to me and spoke to my audience. And, um, you know, after after you after you write down what your what your mission is and why you're making videos that doesn't have to be set in stone it, you, you can you can you can take a left turn i've taken many left turns in my life 
and just don't be afraid to try different things. If you if you're doing your business right and you have multiple streams of, of income, that gives you a little bit more flexibility in trying new things. So I can try to make a different type of video. I can try to uh, work work on writing a book because I have these other things to kind of back up, and then I can see what's working, what's not working, eliminate and and add to as as the business evolves. And with what we do. The internet moves so fast. Like you said, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing it for four and a half years. That's not a long time, but the internet moves and changes so fast. Who knew? Who knows where YouTube will be five years from now? Who knows where Facebook will be or Instagram? You know, so you have to be able to adapt to the changes and and be ready for it. Yeah. the The interesting thing that that I have just noticed with you and like one of your mainstays, uh, David, is is like crafts, right? So you do a lot of little small projects, you know, you're, we'll get into the books there, but you know, your first book was on bandsaw boxes. So like a lot of these, these cool craft projects. And then you also have a, a great video on like how, and I think, you know, multiple videos on like crafts. So um, when you were hitting that craft circuit, so you were making small project and selling those, so you were a product guy too, not just content, like you're doing that to supplement. Was that, uh, you know, how did you play that out when you were, even still in the drunken woodworker and the make something like, uh, was that, you know, you're trying to make it both work. So you're, you were selling a lot, uh, you know, hitting a lot of craft shows and then doing the content and then just kind of seeing which one hit off. Like how did those two play together between product and content? Because a lot of our listeners are, are stuck in that, you know, like, oh, I don't yeah. know, like which one should I do? And then one will make me more money versus the other. How did that work out for you? So, uh, to be clear, I've never been, able to make a living selling the stuff that I make. Uh, so uh, before I quit my job and started doing the content creation full time, I did the craft shows and uh, I found things that worked. I used my marketing background to help brand myself and help sell the things. And uh, I just did craft shows in my area, which meant two craft shows a year. And that's doing the craft thing. I, I can't speak on making a a living from it, but I can speak on when I was just a hobbyist, those craft shows, I would bring in $800, $1,200 in a craft show. I could use that to buy more materials or I could use that to buy that tool that I was I was looking for. And then when I got into the more of the, the, the content creation and doing it full time, I realized that I can help other people make money woodworking Maybe not to make a living, but to help pay for those tools by giving them um, uh, the knowledge and and the plans to make these things for themselves, so they can they can buy new tools and and materials. So, um, I know John he sells furniture. I've never sold a piece of of furniture, so I, I can't really I can't really speak on on that. But I I can say like um, helping other people make money by um by teaching them how to make things and sell them has been profitable for me yeah i think it's interesting to be able to look at like your business um in general any of us and see what type of consumer we have of quote unquote whatever our good or service is and in that you know you you get to 
Um, look at somebody who may be, for instance, purchasing a small item at a craft show and compare them to somebody who would be consuming your content in an educational standpoint. So, um, you know, what happens is a lot of our listeners, um, me being one of them, are individuals who are trying to grow social media or some type of following, and they fall uh, in between both of those. You know, are you trying to create an audience of individuals who want to buy your product? Or are you trying to create an audience yeah. of individuals who want to learn from your experience? And I think that uh, w- what happens is most of us just kind of play in the muck there, and uh, you you can create a confusing type brand, um, as I have, <laughs> or you can continue to grow one side or the other because they're two completely different markets right um so with that you know seeing an opportunity it kind of seems like is what is what happened to you you know you realized the uh hobbyist woodworking side of things is great it's fulfilling but it is a hard life to make a living selling custom stuff at uh, specifically uh these like shows you know you see more of an opportunity in the educational side of things and that's kind of where you capitalize i mean touch on that a little bit if you can I, I do want to say that um, when you take your hobby and you turn it into a career, it, I, I'm very lucky to be in this position. But also, when you turn it into a career, it does take some of the fun out of it because it's adding pressure. So now I have to, I before I was making videos and making these craft items because it was fun. Now I'm doing it to keep the lights on. So it's still fun. But there's a little bit more pressure on me. And so there's things that I do to keep it fun. So I'm doing a craft show coming up in November. And you know what? I'll probably profit around $1,000 from that craft show. That, um, all, that, all that time that I'm putting into it, the making the things and, and coming up with, with new ideas, is not actually that profitable for the business but it's still fun because my wife, she makes baskets. And so we're going to have tables set up next to each other. And we're going to have a fun day in November where we're just selling and, and hanging out with other like-minded people. And so I I, I, tr- I still need to do those things just because they're fun, not because they're profitable for the business. So maybe I'll make $1,000 that day. But there are way easier ways for me to make that thousand dollars, either by making more videos, getting more sponsors, selling more plans. So it's it's all about maintaining the the fun f- for it for me anyway. I love that. I love that insight because it is. I mean, that was one of the first things that I noticed as I went full time. Was like, all as you start and and even during the side hustle, uh, like as soon as you start, especially with sponsors. Because then um, you've got deadlines, right? You're you're committing yeah. to, hey, I'll have this done October third, or I'll have this when, like, whenever. As soon as you do that, whereas a hobbyist, you're like, you know, you might you might have a three month project, and you're just like, ah, I'll work on this. It's the weekend. The Browns are playing. You know, <laughs> like I'm I'm gonna go watch them. I'm not, you know, they won for the first time in in uh, you know five decades. Whoop, whoop. So no, whatever. <laughs> Congrats on that, by the way. As uh, it was really cool, but uh, the I love that idea because you um of because uh, I've not done that. And I think a lot of people like try to find um hobbies like they like they've got this hobby that's this passion, then they turn it to their job, and then they turn to other hobbies to keep the fun. But what you just did, you kind of turn it around. You're like, well, it's still this, but I'm going to do this other thing that's not quite as profitable for the business, but it's still, it's, it's like putting the fun back in your job. That, that's, that's really awesome, man. I've not, 
ever thought about it. I've not really heard many people ever say that or, 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 you know, talk about it in that way. I think that's a really cool idea. And the fact that you're able to do it with your wife is, is even, even better, which is really awesome. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a, um, it's like a bonding period because for two or three months, my wife and I are like batching out all these, all the, I'm, I'm making like a dozen or two dozen of these things and, and she's doing the same thing. And when you do the craft shows, there's this buildup of like, it's tense because like, do I have enough? Is this different enough from last time? Did I learn enough from the last craft show that I, that I did to, to make this one worth it? And then, and then the day of is like, is like the, the big game. And that's, that's the exciting day for whatever reason that stress for two or three months of making all these things pays off on, on that day because it's so fun. And I'm around all these other crafters. The craft shows that I do, um, I, I will say they're juried craft shows. So you have to apply, you pay to apply. And then if you get accepted, you pay for a table. And I always suggest if you're going to do the craft show thing to do the ones that are juried, because those are the ones that bring people in. And in Toledo, we have this, this, this event. It's twice a year. There's a spring one and then the, the holiday one. And it just brings in hundreds, maybe thousands of people throughout the door for the entire day. And I'm hanging around all these other crafters and there's, there's only a few woodworkers, but there's all these other artists and and people doing um, knitting or card making or printmaking and, and, and art. And it's just so fun to be around other creative people because I can go around and I can talk to them and we can, we can learn from each other, like what's working because the, we're competing but we're not really competing like i'm i'm selling woodworking items and they're selling handmade christmas cards and so i can say hey what's what's working for you today are you doing well and and so that that payoff on on that on that day is is so worth it for me i love how your attention to community there just kind of like naturally uh progress like when you get into the craft show like network like i know from the, the ones that are around here, like that's a tight knit community. And like, there's a lot of people that go to shows together. They all kind of like bounce ideas off of each other. They help each other out with their booths and such. I think it's really cool to see that community outside of what we're all doing individually or specifically for ourselves, because what can happen, I think with our craft specifically in woodworking is it can, it can become pretty lonesome. You know, that's one of the beauties of Instagram is, is that community around it. And, you know, you can create, friends and you can network with people and who are uh, doing similar things. Cause I know like my personal friends don't know uh, anything about creating anything. Like none of them are, <laughs> uh, have a, own any tools. They are always borrowing mine. But like with that, you're able to take a step back from work, quote unquote, and find some enjoyment in it again and, and go find um, a way to have a physical connection with another individual who may be close or tangentially like-minded. Um, and I think that that is so important to any type of small business owner because there's so many uh, there's there's so many content creators out there that are talking about the hustle and the grind and putting in the hours and putting your head down and doing all this. And I love that stuff. It's fantastic. But with that comes a ton of solitude, a lot of loneliness in a burnout, you know? So to, yeah. to, for you, you know, you have a, you have a lot going on to take a step back, look at it and go, I'm doing a craft show in November. Screw it. <laughs> like that's it's it subtly to like your subconscious as a small business owner, super important. And I think it's a great piece of advice for our listeners that are in the grind right now that are just 
banging out work in order to pay the bills, like carve some time to do something for yourself, carve some time to do something that you enjoy, whether it's a new skill or going to a show or going to an event, like those things are vitally important to your overall happiness. Because when you work for yourself, you put that aside. And by putting that aside, you actually take away the entire reason you want to get into working for yourself as in to be happy. So like great, great tip there. And I, I love hearing how it's working for someone doing it on such a high level like yourself. Like, like you said, there's a hundred different ways for you to eat, make a thousand bucks way easier, but for you to put yeah. a day aside, spend time with your wife, go to the show, network with a bunch of other people who are doing stuff with their hands. It's brilliant. And I think it's, it's something that all of us need to look at and, and take a little bit of advice from. Another thing that I do to kind of recharge the batteries is um, to take a day and go out and find inspiration. So for me, I find inspiration in going to antique malls and antique stores and just looking at old stuff. We have this, where I live, we have this huge antique mall and it's so hard to go through the entire thing in one day because it's it's so massive. And I, I don't, spend a lot of money there but i spend a lot of time just looking at things and i'm able to see how things were made or i might see what somebody considers junk and think oh how can i turn that into something else and um and 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 maybe antique malls aren't your thing maybe you go to an art museum or just go go shopping but, but without buying anything and just look at stuff and and try to absorb uh things outside of of your circle and and use that for inspiration just you need a recharge every once in a while yeah i I think you do a great job of it too because you where you're i I think what that also gives you what you're saying there of of getting new inspiration in different places is especially for like so when we look at uh you know look at make something and the stuff that david makes is um very different than a lot of what other people, it's not, you know, your standard and it's always, there's a lot of creativity that you can tell that, you know, you've got an artistic uh, vibe, Dave, and you've made, do that table that you made with all the different colored woods is fantastic <laughs> with the Chevron on. That was awesome. If you guys have not checked that out, go check out uh, David's video on that. It's a, it's an amazing table, but you know, very much, there's a very mid century modern vibe on your channel. You do a lot of that stuff. And, and I know you have a love for vintage, right? I, uh, it's your Instagram stories. Like you, you love old books and, You'll go through the old woodworking books and like pick out projects and stuff. So uh, I think it's really cool to see how you're how you've assimilated all that stuff into your style. Yeah, for sure. So that table, um, I'm always telling people to look outside their circle for for inspiration. That table, the idea for that came from a skateboard. Oh, nice. There's a there's a. uh, th- there's an Instagram channel that I that I follow called I think it's Sanford Shapes. Uh, I could mm. I, I'm I'm like 90 percent sure that's what they're called. And um and it, there was a, this one particular skateboard that used different species of wood, and I was like, oh, that is beautiful. What if I made that into a table? Um, some of the bandsaw boxes uh, before I wrote my bandsaw box book, they all seem to be this free flooring flowing shapes and amoeba like and. I was like, well, what if we brought in just standard basic shapes, squares and circles and ovals? What if we looked at the shape of, of a building and brought that into the shape of, and made that into a box? So always looking from outside sources to inspire you to come up with, with something with something new. And yes, I'm very inspired by mid-century modern. I'm very inspired by, by vintage. 
And instead of recreating those things, I try to bring some modern stuff into that as well to create something new that's never been there before. How viable do you think that that concept is to like niching your brand identity outside of what everyone else is doing? Because I feel like that's something that you do a great job of is like bringing in uh, outside influence in, into your content. So um, like I mentioned before, the, the space that we're in is, is um, saturated is not the right word, but there's a lot of people doing this. And I don't want to um, discourage anybody from trying to jump in and do this because there's still plenty of room. There's the Internet is huge. So but as more people are doing this, I need to separate myself from everybody else so people can say, oh, David's that one guy who does that one thing. And um, and if, if I if I go a route and I see everybody else kind of jumping on board to do what I do and doing the same thing I'm doing. That's fine. Like use me as a, uh, as inspiration, use me as an example. But when too many people hop on that train, I'm going to hop off and take a different train because I always want to be uh, one step ahead of, of everybody doing, doing something different. And that's probably why I've changed careers so many times or changed just my style of video, you know, um, is in our space, I think I was the first one to hire a camera person because everybody else was showing their hands or camera on a tripod. And I'm thinking, okay, if I spend the money for somebody to come help me one day a week to film, I can make a video that's completely different than everybody else. And I can do a different style and I can, um, I can, I can change the flow of the videos. And so as more people bring on, uh, a team to make to make videos. I'm gonna constantly look forward, uh, look look to push myself to making something different than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's I think it's brilliant to take that leap of faith somewhat to do something different to try something that's a little bit outside the box because it is so intimidating for a lot of us to see a trend or something that's coming or that's outside of our space that could possibly have influence on what's happening and then like look at it and go, you know, I don't know if I want to go there quite yet. And, and especially as content creators, there's always so much going on as far as uh, outside influence and, and especially on YouTube. I mean, a lot of us watch channels that aren't woodworking, right? And in that you get a ton of different perspective on things that are happening and so many of us are inspired and want to try things, but we're all like, well, you know, I'm kind of in a groove. And like, if I was to jump on the Peter McKinnon bandwagon, just start vlogging right now and my channel, just die. And for you to just take that leap of faith and go, I'm going to hire a videographer. I'm going to bring him in. We're going to change up the flow a bit and it's going to work. Like it takes a, it, it, it takes some grit. Um, and I think in order to make real strides in your business, you have to have that kind of like oomph behind it, right? Like you have to be able to take those um, chances and take those risks in order to gain rewards. Cause I love the flow of your videos. Uh, it's not like I never did before, but like, I think now that they're very involved, I dig that. I love when you pick something up and you move across the shop and the camera follows you. Like I'm so jealous. I can't get that in my content <laughs> because I don't have anyone else shooting, but like those dynamic little aspects of what's happening, um, are so cool. And I think that like, you know, trying to stay ahead of the game is, is this something that a lot of us aspire to do, but it's quite difficult because it does take time. Like you have to put effort into 
um, jumping outside the box or doing things that are different. Because like you said, you're getting inspiration from things that are outside the space. You're consuming content that is outside of what we're doing. You're gaining knowledge from things that are outside of what we're doing. A lot of us get super fixed on like the moment, what's going on right now. Like let's make, you know, thousand river tables and capitalize on this opportunity kind of thing. And in that yeah. you can really lose long-term type uh, vision and, uh, and you kind of asked me about that earlier as my long-term vision when we were privately speaking before the show. Like, uh, why don't you touch a little bit on what you think uh, about, like, those type of moves in your business mind are towards the long-term goals of what you're trying to do? So I, I do I do take a left turn every once in a while, but it's, it's such a sl- – it's a slight left turn. I will subtly bring in new elements and um, uh, Bob Cleggett and I've had this conversation before where it's like you, maybe you don't notice some of these changes from video to video, but if you look at one of my videos now to one of my videos from a year ago, you will see a drastic, a drastic change. And so there is, it is important that, you do take chances and you do try new things, but you don't want to leave your audience behind as well. You don't want to upset too many of them <laughs> at once. Um, so, you know, be, be careful with that. It's different for everybody. Uh, but to, and then sometimes it's just fun to change it up. And maybe, uh, maybe you lose some people because you're pushing the business forward, but then you gain a bunch of other new people. So I used to be very detailed in my builds and saying like, you know, I'm using this bit and drilling this, and this is how you you do that. And I don't do that no more. I kind of skim across some of those things because there's an assumption that I have with my audience that they know a little bit of this and they can, they can fill in the blanks. So even, even I'm, I'm trying to inspire the, 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 the goal of the channel is to inspire people to encourage people to go out and make something. And so that means when I'm making my videos, I don't have to be detailed because my, even though I want to teach that, uh, I'm not teaching techniques. I'm teaching inspiration. I'm, I'm trying to get people to just make something, make what I'm making in the video or go make your own thing. And so, uh, in doing so, I'm trying to create more of an entertaining video and a video that flows well. So when somebody is done with watching the video, they're like, oh man, that was cool. I'm going to go in the shop now. Maybe I'm going to make that bandsaw box or, or maybe I'm going to make something completely different. But I had fun watching that video and that makes me want to be in the shop. And that's what I want. <laughs> I want people to watch the video and be like, okay, day's over with. Let's go in the shop and, and play. Yeah. And then I think that's, you have like a, a sweet spot there is that like you do a, a lot of like quirky bills, I'll call it like the hot dog side table. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys have not seen it, Dave uh, has a full on color hot dog inlay, wooden inlay with blues and reds and yellows into the top of like a fine piece of furniture side table. So like, you know, that that's just like one of those things, like you just look at it, you just like have to smile. You're like, this dude just put a hot dog on a side table. Like yeah. I, I took a, it's a, it's a shaker table. So this, this design has been around for like two or 300 years. And I just took it and put a hot dog and lay on it for no reason at all, because I'm, I'm, I, and I use lasers. So a shaker table has been around for a couple hundred years, but then I use this modern piece of equipment 
to throw a hot dog in there just to make it different than any other shaker table you've ever seen before. And maybe you don't have a laser cutter, but maybe that that triggers something in your brain of like, oh, I could make that that table as well. But what if I use a scroll saw or um, what if I do have a laser? I don't need a shaker table. But what if I use that laser cutter to make the top of my desk something unique or crazy like that? And so it's always I'm trying to trigger that 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 urge to get people out into the shop, whether they make the same thing I'm making or not. Yeah, it almost gives them the it almost gives them the license to get crazy. Like, yeah, just have, yeah. have fun. Yeah, have fun. That's what I was getting at. Is I, I, I love that in with your brand, there's both ends of it and that the long term goal is to make something right. Like you're like you said, you're trying to inspire people to make stuff in whether it is a fine piece of mid-century furniture or a uh, feeder for your dog made out of PVC <laughs> pipe like but with that, uh, I think it makes what you're doing a lot more tangible and anyone can essentially do it with whatever parts you're making. I mean, I, you made a box out of foam once and <laughs> and oh, yeah. like it was it was super interesting. I'm watching this. I'm like, wow, like good for Dave, because this is way outside the box, literally making a box. But he's using <laughs> materials that you don't literally you need. You needed zero woodworking materials and it, yet you could make it seem like you were doing something. So it made it super tangible. And going back to what what we were saying before about like long term goals with with the brand and stuff you know you everything you're doing is aligning with the long-term goal of what makes something is is to inspire people to make things and all of the left turns that you're you were talking about making or slight pivots in that everything consistently aligns with that long-term goal and i think it's really important to consider that when you're in any type of business um, on on where you want to be, um, you know, Brad and I did a show, I would think it was like episode four or five about goals, right? And I talked about in that show uh, in how I'm not a big goal guy, right? Like I, I don't sit and write things down um, and I don't like to look at goals and try to achieve them and knock them off. It's just how my brain has worked for a long time. But over the course of the last 66 weeks or so since we recorded it, I've kind of changed on that because of we've talked to so many influencers like yourself and so many people that have uh, be, you know, been executing at a higher level in that, you know, sit down and, and write down where you want the business and brand to be. You know, take a step back and look at where things are and how they can move forward. And in that you can find inspiration. You can find ways to tweak small aspects of your brand or whatever's happening and keep them all in line with that long term goal. For, for someone to look at what they're doing now and be making cutting boards, for instance, and want to be making timber frame homes, that's a long, long stretch, right? But you have the simple skill sets to get there. So you take a cutting board and then you make a end table with a cutting board top that happens to have joinery similar, similar to you know where you want to go with timber frame homes. And then you take that same concept and you build it into the next thing that's a little bigger. And those little turns and stuff are always working towards that long-term goal. And I love that about your brand. So for me, I never accomplished the, the goal. Because the goals are always, I, I, if if I was just starting out and I'm making cutting boards, I, the goal is not going to be to make a, a chest of drawers. The goal should be just out of reach, and then as you get close to it, the goal needs to be pushed further. So the goal is a fluid thing and not a an exact divine defined thing. 
So it's it's always pushing. So if your football team marching down the field, think of the football field as as something that's uh, uh, moving as well. So you're always just pushing forward. There's and no the, touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> there is no touchdown. No, there's first downs. Yeah, just to no keep it going. No, I like yeah, that. So, I like that. It's very cool because it's something that, you know, uh, that's the reason I was kind of turned off by the concept of goals is because when you reach it, what's next? And because it's not, it could seem something finite. It's hard to look at it like evolving, like you just said. I think also um, when you reach it, there's this, there's also a slight emptiness to it. I don't know how to describe it very well, but um you, you you get to the point and and you reached it and now it feels like you're starting over with the with the next goal, and um and, and I don't really like that 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 feeling of oh now what's my next goal or what's it so in, instead I'm just always pushing it, pushing the goals forward as I yeah. move forward. And I think like most people do that naturally as well at, at least for uh, especially like in the social media world right and and just. Anything that has a number attached to it, right? Whether it's followers, subscribers, likes, like whatever that thing is, like when you hit that number that you've been looking for, it feels great for about a day at most, you know, right? You're like, yes, I hit that. I hit 500 followers. Like, this is amazing. I remember I did a post on Instagram. uh, It's still up on my my feed where I was like, I hit 50 followers. Like, I was so juiced to have 50 followers. Uh, You know, it took me like months to get 50 followers. But uh, and, and then, you know, now it's like, if I hit, when I hit a hundred thousand followers, like that was amazing. Like that's a huge number. And then I'm like, okay, that it was really awesome. Enjoyed it in the moment. But then it's like, you're always looking for that next thing. And I think a lot of us too, uh, not only is just like, like you're not, it, it ties really well to what you're saying, because, uh, those, those, at least those numeric goals are never going to fulfill you. Uh, and it is that long-term goal Right. That you can go back and you be like, oh, 100,000. You're like, oh, now I want 200,000. But then you'll be like, oh, well, not, like I am helping all these people and I'm getting more comments about people that are making something. I'm, I'm getting you, that you can see the audience interaction and you can see the more fulfilling goal being accomplished. And like that's where like that doesn't go away in a day. That's something that when you're having a bad day, you can go back and like, you know, and I've been meaning to do this. I've never done it. Uh, my wife, uh, did it like in teaching, I think where she had like, uh, letters and things that, that students had written her, but like, you know, we all get in whatever media you're at, you all get these comments about just whatever they're like the inspiring comments about how you help change somebody's day, um, somebody's business, uh, help somebody get into woodworking and just like copying and pasting those or taking a picture and actually take that back. Cause I used to get a lot of letters when I did a sticker swap and, uh, I kept them for a long time. Then I just took pictures of them and I got them on my phone somewhere. But like if I'm having a bad day, like to be able to go back and be like, OK, my goal is to inspire and educate and entertain. Like that's what I do for my channel. And then to be able to look at this and be like, oh, yeah, here's the people I'm impacting. Like that's so much more fulfilling. And and I, I love that idea of just like pushing the other stuff forward, but being propped up by all the, the goodness that you're getting along all those first downs. Like you said, I think that's a great analogy yeah. is like just take solace in that and, uh, you know, but keep pushing forward because you're constantly evolving and constantly changing yeah it's i i the the goals are to um expand the business so i can do more of of what i want within the business like of course i want to have a million subscribers but having that that number 
it means nothing because when you're right before that, right before you hit a million, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to hit a million in a couple of days. So the next goal is going to be 2 million. Like, forget about all that and think about the stuff that actually matters. You know, I, I'm not, um, I'm not really into analytics very much. I do. Uh, I'm, I'm part of this mastermind with a couple of nice guys and we, I always get excited after talking about them because I want to dive more into into my analytics to see what's working and what's not. And I might do that for a couple of days. And then I always revert back to feel I'm like, OK, maybe um, I, I, I'll just I'll throw away all those analytics and just make sure I'm making a video that feels right to me. And if it feels right to me, it will most likely feel right to my my viewers and also gain new viewers. And so. Uh, I don't know. Numbers don't work for me. I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm not really a numbers guy. Me yeah. Either. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to end the show because I mean, Brad's just so turned off, <laughs> but no, I'm, but it's, I'm di with it's you different there. for everybody though. Like, <laughs> like, absolutely. Like, uh, so I know people who are numbers people and they focus on that and they're able to grow their businesses really fast. And so it's, that's, that's the thing. This, all of this is so new to everybody that's in our space that there is no book to follow. Otherwise, there would be a book that everybody would read and everybody would be successful. But it's different for me. I have a different business model than Brad and a different business model than than uh, Steve and, and Mark and all them. We all make money in a different way. And it's you just you you have to take in all this information and see what works for you. And, and try new things. I love the emphasis on feel like that is such an important part of like trusting your gut and believing in it. And especially when you're in business for yourself, because the tendency is like we kind of touched on before is to just put your head down to the grind and follow a path that is possibly carved by somebody else who's nothing like you that worked for them. And a lot of us look for those things. But what I think is important there is to take what is valuable to somebody else or small snippets of it and pull those in, see if they work for you, as well as surrounding yourself with well, more well-rounded people. You know, there's so many quotes out there or whatever that are like, you know, if you're the smartest guy in the room, find a new room. Like it's, it's like the same kind of concept is I have different attributes than Brad and Brad to you and then yourself to your podcast. And like, that's why everything works in cohesion is because there's so many different mindsets, theories, feels, and thoughts. Like it is extremely important to keep that in your life when you're in business, whether you're garnering inspiration or education from that, those people around you, like Brad is very analytical as we talk about on the show a ton and, and he can go really, really deep and like literally I start sweating listening to him speak because it is something I just cannot grasp. But when it comes to feel, I feel like I'm much closer to what you're saying, Dave, is like, you know, I'll jump into uh, something that I want to learn based on a gut feeling or something that's going to do well. Um, and I think we go back to like looking at my content and I said to Brad, I'm like, this is this is this video is going to do well. It's going to crush. I could just feel it. And my approach to it was one way. And then you, we had Brad's up. Brad was like, all right, well, let's make sure we're covering, you know, these six line items that go back into the, like, the analytical uh, checklist of things that work and function well that he crushes it on. Um, and it, there's, I think you need to be able to pull small aspects of somebody else's success and add them to what you're doing, but not completely turn off something like that and morph yourself into someone you're not just because someone else is winning. Um, a lot yeah. of people see that 
you know, there's success and it's so, there's so much social promotion around success now that it's like, here's a check, a checklist to building an empire and you just drop what you're doing, follow that. You're going to win. Like, no, that's not how the world works, right? Like you have to be able to follow your gut. You have to be able to uh, focus what you're doing on feel or else you'll get burned out or you'll hate where you end up or, you know, you're going to act, you're going to lose or like things aren't going to work. Um, you don't get into business for things like that. So I love that concept of, you know, kind of the 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 feel that goes into uh, why you make decisions and what's happening in your life and in business, because it is extremely important. Um, and I, it's definitely something you don't want to turn off. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I will say, go ahead, David. I will, I will say so. Um, I think at times maybe this fee, the going by my gut and, and feeling has slowed down the business quite a bit, because if you look at um, if we go back for five years ago i had a bigger channel than somebody like bob cleggett i've liked to make stuff and um but bob had a very defined goal from the beginning and he stuck with it and his channel just blew up and he's he's huge he surpassed me uh and and 10 times over and a lot of other people at that time um uh, their channels have grown and their businesses have grown and they have a much larger audience than, than I have because maybe they did follow the analytics a little bit more, but um, I didn't know what I wanted. And so I kept, I kept changing the way I was doing things and going, going by feel. And I finally, maybe a year or two ago, I, I finally, I hit that rhythm that I want. And this, this is, I, I am right where I want to be. Um, and my channel has now steady growth, but my feeling might change next year and I might do something completely different. And maybe again, that's going to hurt the business, but I've got so many things in place to make sure that I can keep the lights on, you know, that I can, I can, I can do a little bit more of that. So it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's so different for everybody else or uh, everybody else's situation is so unique that Maybe you need to be focused on analytics or maybe you need to be focused on, on, on feeling. So it's, you just gotta, you gotta pull bits of information from everybody, little tips from books and videos and podcasts and see what works for you. Yeah. Let's hit before, uh, we're getting close to the hour here, but I want to hit a little bit more on, on the, on the X's and O's and, and the business aspect of it, because I know you do have, we've, we've kind of referenced it. You have your fingers and a lot of different areas, uh, including, you know, the podcast books, plans you published in magazines, like, uh, as you, as you look at all those things and obviously sponsors, you look across your portfolio, um, you know, how, how do you balance all those things? Because, uh, I have, I have this mindset that, um, books are great, but they're not really great revenue makers. Right. And that they take yeah. a whole lot of time and that they're typically not worth the juice is not worth the squeeze in the long run, like, like, again, if you were saying like, there's better ways to make a thousand bucks, uh, you know, how do you, how do you weigh all those? And, you know, you've talked about doing some stuff for fun. So is there like, you know, the book is really fulfilling for you. So you, you carve that out, but then you, uh, you know, double down on some other things for sponsors that gives you more money. How do you work through that process as, as, uh, keeping the lights on? So right now, the, the biggest thing, the most, um, the biggest chunk of my income comes from video sponsors. So that's the, you know, halfway through the video, I'm like, today's video is brought to you by so-and-so. And that has been the biggest 
a chunk of my income for a few years now. And so for a while I, I doubled down on that, but I also have to realize YouTube could take away my channel at any time. I could violate something, somebody could do something, hurt themselves, and all of a sudden I got to start over. And so I make sure to have um, a website that is getting lots of traffic, that is selling plans, that is selling merch. Um, I'm, I'm writing books. I'm on my third book now, and I get I I get a royalty check twice a year from the publisher, and I also sell sign books on my website, and it is profitable. But that money is easier made if by it'd be easier for me to just make more videos and get more sponsored videos, but you have to, I have to spread out. And so maybe the books aren't very profitable now, but what if in 10 years from now I have six books under my belt and those six books are bringing in royalty checks every quarter or every half a year. And that's money that's just coming in on something I did years ago. And that's why I sell plans is because once you make that PDF, that it, you're that's done and that pdf is always going to make money for me so it's it's about spreading it's 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 about doubling down on the things that are working but not spend, not putting all your time into that there has to be there has to be other areas uh of, of income in case the the bad thing does happen or um maybe i'll just maybe you'll change your mind on what you want to do in the future and so if you it just gives me more options to play with. Yeah. I mean, markets change, things happen, natural disasters happen. Like for all of us to, to look at your business and go, if a hurricane came through and tore my shop off, what would I do for income? You know, you got to be able to uh, have uh, some sort of a semblance of what, you know, options are there. And in that, you know, all of us are capable of video production, podcast uh, production, creating a digital you know, business, a digital plan, you know, like you're, you write books and stuff. So like getting diversified is important long-term for more than just revenue sake, right? It, those yeah. skill sets are vital to p potential future opportunities. Um, and, and you don't know what life's going to throw at you. Exactly. So, uh, I've written, I've, I've had, uh, if you can see behind me, there's a stack of magazines. I'm, I've written an article in every one of those magazines and, some of those magazines pay, some of them don't, but the pay is so little. But the authority that I gain from writing those articles is massive. People are going to see that, like, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to go check out his videos. I've written books. People, just because I've written a couple books and you can find them in a bookstore, people think this guy knows what he's talking about. He's an authority on on this particular subject. And I'm the, the next goal is TV. I want a TV show, not for long term, but I just want to I want to I want to do that thing. That's the, that's the next thing. And so I always feel like everything that I do is an audition for the next thing. So this YouTube every time I make a YouTube video like this video is is an audition for that TV show or this YouTube video is is an audition to bring new subscribers into my into my channel or into into my world. It's. I'm selling myself constantly. That's a great way to look at it, man. <laughs> and that, you nailed it, man. Build the brand, build the brand around yourself, not just on like a specific product or something, because you never know when things are going to change. I love it. I, I'm the brand, not 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 the hot dog table. Mm -hmm. It's me. Yep. I want people to buy into me. 
Yeah. Brilliant. And that, that's what's interesting. And I just kind of correlate that back to the, our product folks. It's like it's almost the same thing in reverse uh, is that every piece is an audition of you showing your expertise. So if you're making dining room tables and you come up with a new design, right, that it's that table is really awesome. But then when they think, oh, you know, Billy made that table and, and he made these other three cool things, it's like it builds that clout and that authority and that I mean, that's just a great overarching idea of of you know anything you put out is reflective back on your brand. And again, you know, kind of streamlining back to what we've been talking about is does that align with your total brand goal and and what you're trying to accomplish? So I, I love the the through line of the conversation. Um, one of the things uh, as we wrap up here, Dave, one of the things that we like to ask our guests is uh, to give the audience some some advice. So what audits, what advice do you have for our audience for uh, folks who are, you know, either just getting started or trying to take the next step in their business? I'm going to assume that your audience is, is people who want to make content for a living or for profit. And I think the biggest thing is to get your face out there. So every, if you're, if you're posting an Instagram photo, make sure your face is in the photo because people are buying into your personality, not just, you have to be a good craftsman, uh, person to, to make these things, but you also have to be, a a, a personality that's liked or gets attention. So throw your face in the Instagram photos once in a while, talk to the camera. If you're making, if you're making videos, it's people are buying into the, the, the whole package, not just not just the thing that you're making. So let let people know who you are. Yeah, Love that. And attach the personality. Yeah. And that's something I've I, I'm the same way. You know, I'm, I'm kind of in your boat, uh, David, you know, that you said you're trying to get away from is like it's just a lot of those hand shots. My hands are so well known. Uh, but not my face. <laughs> well, what's the back? I know it like the back of my hand. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Man. I love the conversation, David, and, and just the idea of keeping things fun, uh, keeping things creative and constantly evolving and, and pushing yourself. I think those are great things for anybody, whether you're content or on the production side. Uh, and those are, are things that, you know, we could all try to strive for and, and keep on our game about. Yeah, this is awesome, man. A lot of fun. That's a great piece of advice there. You know, Brad and I, um, we've talked about that in the past and love hearing uh, concepts like that reiterated from someone like yourself. Thank you. This has been fun. Yeah, thanks so much for ha- coming on the show. We'll have uh, links to all David's stuff below where you can go check him out. Uh, and thank you, man. We'll catch you guys next time. Dude, David has such a unique slant on things. I love how he's continually evolving and he sets himself apart from the mainstream in our niche. Yeah, man, he's awesome. He's always trying something outside the box and is always looking to inspire new makers, which I think is so cool. I loved having him on the show. Yeah, guys, if you want to hear more info or learn more about David and make something, make sure you check out the show notes at madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 66. We'll have links to his website, his Instagram. You can see the books he has over there. He's got an awesome book on on bandsaw boxes as well as a cutting board book, which, by the way, I'm actually in it. Ooh. I can't remember what. I know in in the end, he's got like user submissions, and I that was like uh, my first published man. My uh, my Diamondback board is is actually in there. So go check out uh, his stuff. He makes some some great things.
Also, make sure you're checking us out on Facebook. We've got an awesome group over there at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash made for profit tribe. Um, and then we also have our private patron group where we pull questions weekly for the after show. Um, and if you're interested in that, you can also check us out on Patreon. And I think this week we're going to have a conversation going on the after show when it comes to trademarking certain words that might be uh, something a lot of the community wants certain to hear. Certain so words, be- bodies of moving water. <laughs> uh, we, we, it'll be a juicy one for yeah, sure. For sure. So check us out over there. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and go uh, discuss these tributaries and creeks and uh, all the other <laughs> words that are don't begin with an R. All right. All right, guys. Well, let's go hit this after show. And we'll see you guys next week. Let's do it.